welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. Amen. As we, uh, as we have been uh, kind of going through this identity process as a church, uh, we are switching over some of our, our information, our website and uh, our, uh, our letterhead and all of that to, to say uh, Kingwood Methodist Church. And one of the things that, um, that we had to do this last week is uh, approve our new business cards, right? And so they print new, new business cards for us. And, uh, and on the business card, you know, it has uh, email address and it has the address for the church and it has the name Kingwood Methodist Church. Uh, but underneath our name, uh, it says our title. And I had like this weird, as I was like processing this message, processing this, this idea of identity and who am I, um, I had this like weird existential crisis uh, it, when I was like looking at that line that said associate pastor. And I'm like, is that all that I am? You know, is, am I, am, can I be defined by associate pastor? Um, There's so many more things that I am. I, I don't feel like I can just click submit on this and just be associate pastor, you know? Uh, so it took way too long to claim that identity as, as associate pastor. You see, I think in our, in our daily lives, we are so often defined by the actions that we do. And I think what Christ calls us to is to be defined by our being and not our doing. And so if you would, um, if you would open your Bibles uh, to Matthew chapter three, starting in verse 13, we're gonna look at this passage that kind of um, operates as a link between our understanding of Advent and uh, Emmanuel, God with us, and the ministry of Jesus. Uh, and, and there's this one passage right in the middle, Matthew chapter three, uh, where we see Jesus uh, kind of beginning his ministry. And he begins his ministry by being baptized by John the Baptist. And it's this, it's this moment that kind of connects the, the, the first 30 years of Jesus's life to the ministry of, of Christ that ends on the cross. Um, and actually, I would say, uh, ends with Acts and the sending out of the apostles. Um, and probably is, and I would say is still going today. Um, so this is kind of a bridge passage for us. So if you have, uh, if you have your Bibles, open up uh, to read this passage with me um, in Matthew chapter three. Then Jesus came to Galilee to, to the Jordan, the Jordan River, to be baptized by John. John was, remember, his, his cousin. Um, while, while John out in the, out in the wilderness, um, his cousin John. So John, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come, and come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all of the righteousness. And then John consented. I hear this, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water and at that moment, the heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him and a voice from heaven said, this is my son 
with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. And you say, thanks be to God. You see, this is a, a profound moment in scripture. This is uh, the very first time that we see the, the whole entirety of the Trinity all in one space. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's kind of alluded to uh, back in Genesis as the Spirit hovered over the waters, as, as they say, let us, uh, let us make man in our image, right? So it's kind of alluded to all throughout um, the Old Testament. But this is the first time that we ever see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all in the same place. And it, it really kind of informs our understanding of identity, this passage does. It informs our understanding of the, the Trinitarian relationship, and it uh, informs our understanding of baptism. First, uh, it, under, it, it informs our understanding of that, that Trinitarian relationship in that um, we see this the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in mutual glorification. And what that means is that each part of the Trinity is glorifying the other in this space. Uh, C.S. Lewis calls this, this phenomenon, this, this relationship between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this mutual glorification, he calls it the Trinitarian dance where they, each one revolves around each other, constantly glorifying each other. We see, um, we see first the, the Son glorifies the Father and the Spirit through submitting to the act, the obedience to baptism. Jesus, who is, who is equal parts, who is of, of the same value, of the same stature, submits to the, to the Father and to the Spirit in the act of baptism glorifying their identity and their purpose. The Father glorifies the Spirit by sending the Spirit in the form of a dove to alight Jesus, to fill Jesus with his presence. And that sending, he is glorifying him with that purpose. And the Father glorifies the Son in this famous declaration this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. This, uh, we call this the theophany. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. Also notice that Jesus hasn't done anything yet. Did you catch that? Like the first 30 years of Jesus' life are... Um, they're not defined by the actions that he's done, the, the healings and the miracles and the casting out demons and, and all of the things that, we, that are notable about Jesus's life. None of that has happened. He doesn't say, uh, you are my son with whom I'm well pleased because of all the things that you've done. No, he says, you are my son with whom I'm well pleased because of who you are. Because I love you because you are mine and I am yours. This is, I think, uh, pivotal to us understanding our theology of identity. Uh, some of our, our kiddos are, are taking a, a class called Created by God this week. Anybody in here taking uh, at Created by God this week? Yeah, absolutely, right on. And, and the, the premise of it is that, that you, that each one of us is created beautifully in the image of God that we are 
We don't have to, to do all of these things to be, to be good enough. We are because of who he is. So we understand the, the, our theology of identity here in this passage um, in a beautiful way. The other thing that, that it, it lines out for us is our theology of baptism. You see, Jesus was not, um, he was not being cleansed from his previous sin. Jesus was a sinless. And so this baptism was not about a cleansing of sin or forgiveness of sin or repentance. This was a baptism of claiming of identity, of receiving the free love and grace that God bestows on his children and being filled, being enlightened by the presence of the Holy Spirit. It is not, a, not an outward sign of an inward change. It is a, because Jesus didn't change in that moment. He didn't say, I was living a life that's this way and now I want to live a life that's this way. He was claiming the identity that had already been bestowed upon him by the Father. And so we say, in the Methodist church, we say it is an outward sign of an inward grace that was bestowed upon us far before we could ever choose to receive it. It is a, a recognition of the covenant relationship that we are called into as, as, as sons and daughters of the king. The other beautiful thing that's happening in this passage is this is the inbreaking of the kingdom. One of the, the major themes of Matthew's gospel, the mega themes, is that there is a kingdom in heaven and a kingdom on earth, and that through the ministry of Jesus, there is a breaking of the veil. We see it concluded all the way uh, at the end when uh, the, the temple uh, curtain is ripped and the relationship between man and God is, is, uh, is opened up so that we might enter into the throne room of God on a regular basis. That's what we do in prayer. So we enter into the presence of God without a mediator. We can go straight to him. This is uh, the beginning. This is kind of a bookend of Jesus's ministry, um, the inbreaking of the kingdom of God and then the fulfillment of that at his, um, at his death and resurrection, at his death. And so we see this beautiful image of the, the it says the heavens, at that moment, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended. Heaven is open and the Holy Spirit is descending and each day, each day, that when we pray that prayer, um, that Lord's prayer, your will be done on heaven as it is in, in earth, on earth, on earth as it is in heaven, right? We pray that prayer because we, we're calling for an inbreaking of the kingdom. Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. So, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? When we read scripture, uh, it's oftentimes that we take um, 
we go from observation to implication or application. And so we observe these things that are happening. And I, I like to ask two questions every time I, I read scripture and want to bring it into my own story. I ask, uh, what does this say about God? And what does this say about how I relate to God and how God relates to me? And so for us, um, as we look at this passage, we see this, this statement, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Before he did anything, we understand that what God is demonstrating to us through this text is that he is a God of love far before you could ever do enough to earn it. Not because of what you do or do not do does God love you. God claims you as his own. That is the covenant relationship that we have with our Savior. He loves us because of who we are. We are first and foremost his beloved sons and daughters. Church, you are not defined by what you do. You are not defined by your worst mistake. You're not defined by the failures that you've had in the past. You are defined. You are defined by the creator who created you in his image and loved you. But the world... The world so desperately wants to define you by your actions. I, uh, I'm, I'm a, an avid fantasy football player. Um, I'm one of, the, one of the, the most mediocre managers of fantasy football in all, in all, of all times. I'm usually in a, like a, a 10-person league, I finish like six. Um, and one of the things that I've, I've noticed as I play fantasy football is that, um, that these players... Uh, they, their only value to me is what they produce, right? The, the only thing that they are good for is how many, how many rushing yards they can, uh, they can accumulate or how many touchdowns they, they throw or, uh, or whatever the stat line is. And I get so frustrated at these players for, for slacking that Sunday because they don't, they don't do enough for me. This, uh, this last week, if you uh, follow football or sports or, I guess, news at all, you, um, you saw the, the crazy incident with uh, DeMar Hamlin, and, um, who, in a routine football play for the, the Buffalo Bills, um, hit somebody right as uh, his heart beat at the same time, and it stopped his heart, and the, the entire game was stopped as he was... Um, unconscious on the field. And a scary moment as they're administering CPR, as they're taking him away in the, in, the, uh, in the ambulance for maybe one of the first times that I've ever seen, the show didn't go on. They stopped it all. Because all of a sudden, this person was not identified by the things that they did. They were identified as a human being. And their life mattered outside of, of, of whether he could, uh, he was sufficient for helping the defense to, to win the rest of that game, that, that wasn't even on the table. And what I saw over and over uh, the commentators throughout the week was, was them talking about his story and them talking about the person that he is. I, they, there was so much um, care for the individual 
outside of what he provided for the sport. And I think, I think this is what God is calling us to as a, as a church. I believe that as children of God, we are called to see others in that same light, regardless of what they do or they don't do. To, to stop defining people around us by what they can provide for us, by what, what they can do for us. I think so often our relationships go default to what can you do for me? And if you can provide something of value for me, then, then I'll invest in that relationship. But if not, then sorry. The moment that you, you fail to, to meet your end of the, of the deal, the moment that you fail to, uh, to be good enough or, or to do what we need from you, it's like, it's like distance. Just we begin to put, our, put distance um, between each other. And I think that we are called to see people the way that Christ sees us. Church, I need you to know that you are more than the good that you do. You are more than the worst mistake that you've made. You're more than the person that you love or the man-made identity that you claim. Because the identity that you were given at birth, at conception, is that you are a beloved child of God. And that you receive that because of the free grace that came way before you. In Wesley's, one of Wesley's most famous sermons um, entitled Free Grace, he says this, um, and if, I think I have it on the, on the screens here. Uh, I'm jumping out of order a little bit, so stay with me. Um, in Wesley's uh, sermon called Free Grace, he says this, um, that it does... It does not in any wise depend either on the good works or righteousness of the receiver, not on anything that he has done or anything that he is. It does not depend on the endeavors. It does not depend on the good tempers or the, the good desires or the good purposes or intentions. For all of these flow from free grace. All of the good things that we do that oftentimes are, are, are defining features are all a result of the free grace that we experience and, and celebrate in baptism. So church, um, we're gonna, today at the, at the end of our service, um, we're gonna have a, a time of remembering your baptism. We're gonna have a time of, I don't know if the cameras can see, but we're gonna have a time where you can... Um, you can embrace the waters of your baptism. You may not remember the, the moment when you were baptized. You may not remember that experience. You may not remember uh, what it was when you were an infant to be baptized. But, but today, um, we take this opportunity to, to embrace the free grace that God gave us. That, that no matter what you've done, no matter who, you, who you've been in the past or the mistakes that you've made, God's free grace is for you and he desires to to re remind you of that today. 
And so as you come up for communion or, or go back for communion, you can take your hand and you can run it through the waters of your baptism and remember the free grace that God has given you. As you take of communion, you can uh, come to the altars and uh, if you'd like to receive uh, a remembrance of your baptism by uh, some water being poured over your head, to, re- to remember as the water drips down your face the, the grace that covers us. Just hold your hands out when you, when you kneel at the altars after communion and someone will pray over you and, and, and get, just give a blessing of the free grace that God has given you. Church, if you're sitting here in this space and you say, I've, I don't know that I've ever really embraced the free grace that God has given me. I don't know that I've ever really accepted that free grace into my life. I don't know that that's a leading, guiding marker in my identity is the free grace that God has given me. I'm defined so often by what I do and I've never really stepped into the free grace and received the free grace of God. Church, today, um, I invite you to step into that space. If you've never been baptized, um, we're gonna have uh, an opportunity to be baptized um, either by, by dunking or uh, we have uh, water that we can pour over your head uh, to, to be baptized for the first time. So if you've never been baptized and you'd like to be baptized today, um, I'm gonna be standing right, right back here whenever we, you come up to take communion. Just slip out and, and find me and, and we can talk for a minute. Uh, we have uh, towels and stuff in the back um, so that you can change and, um, and, and you don't have to get your, uh, your church clothes all wet. Um, but as we, as we step into that space, as we step into that time, I want to, um, I want to put before us the, the Wesleyan covenant prayer. And this covenant prayer um, is, is something that, that Wesley encouraged uh, his church to, uh, to hear and to read and to uh, experience every year. It, the prayer begins and it ends with identity statements that draw us back into the free grace of God. And so church, as, as we... Uh, we're gonna pray this together. It's up here on the screen. I, I'd encourage you to, to take, it, uh, take a picture of it and to go home with it and to, to kind of meditate on this throughout the, throughout the week. Um, but it, it's a challenging prayer. And so we're just gonna leave this prayer up um, as, we, as we go throughout um, communion. Uh, so you can kind of be processing that and, and praying over that. Uh, but... Will you join me in saying this this Wesleyan Covenant prayer this morning? We are no longer our own, but yours. Put us to what you will. Rank us with whom you will. Put us to doing. Put us to suffering. Let us be employed for you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let us be full. Let us be empty. Let us have all things or let us have nothing. We freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are ours and we are yours. So be it. And the covenant which we made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. As we take of communion today, we recognize and we remember the sacrifice that Christ made for us. That he said, this is my body broken for you, for all of you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me.
not excluding anyone from the table of Christ. He raised the cup. He gave thanks. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Take and eat and drink and do this in remembrance of me. And so Holy Spirit, would you pour out your presence on this place? Would you take these common elements of bread and cup and would you make them so much more than that for us? God, would you make these the body of Christ redeemed by your blood so that we might be the body of Christ sent out into the world in your power and in your goodness and in your love and free grace so that we might be a representation to the world of who you are and who you called each and every one of us to be. And so we give thanks. We remember your sacrifice. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.